Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about the comics released on March 4th, 2020, starting with uh, Strange Adventures number one, written by Tom King, illustrated by Mitch Garrods and Evan Doc Shaner. This book has been hyped for quite some time. It just recently became a black label book, so this is technically not in continuity. I believe, I believe that's the um, the upshot of this is that you know this this story can be told without worrying about how it how it interacts with with main continuity, which I do want to talk about at some point in this book. But overall, Vince, we'll start with you. What did you think of this issue? Uh, I, I didn't like it very much, (laughs) but, but should I start with the positive stuff? Sure. Of course it looked very good. Oh, it looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And particularly the Doc Shaner pages, because I'm more of a, I'm more of a Shaner boy than I am a Garrett's boy. Um, so it looked great. And also I will say it is the least annoying Tom King book that I've read in a while uh, from a dialogue and structure standpoint. Um, I get the sense that, that from a pure craft point of view, he's not trying to show off here. Um, Unless you read an interview with him, which is basically just him uh you know, hyping himself up the whole time. No one's yeah, ever done so comics like no this. No one's ever done a comic like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This like non-sequential, or you know, the the hot. No one's ever done that before. Yeah, it's just bizarre. I, I, I ugh. yeah, right, right. But but what's what we actually got? It you know, there's not any annoying dialogue. I think in the way that I think of Tom King annoying dialogue. You know, that the the, the Shaner section is very much an old school very plain kind of golden age uh sort of dialogue or silver age maybe you know just very much like i'm going to blast the bad guys you know type thing um which i i don't i think he's definitely going for something there but it doesn't end up being annoying because it's not it's how comic book people talk it's not a guy doing that thing where he thinks this is how normal people talk (laughs) <laughs> but really, it's not. You know what I mean? So this is purposely stylized versus his usual stuff, which is, like, accidentally stylized. Yeah, yes. Yeah, right. Like, this is actually how Golden Age comics sounded. It's not faking how he thinks real people talk to one another, you know? Yeah. And then and then in the Mitch Garrods segments, again, it's not the dialogue is a little more modern as far as like the vernacular that people use, but, but it's not going for this staccato weird, you know, mammoth or whatever he thinks he's doing most of the time sort of thing. And so, so what I'm trying to say is even though I didn't really like the comic very much from a storytelling perspective or from, or like on its face, what the, the plot concerns are don't sit well with me, but it was not annoying to read. It went down pretty smoothly 
because I didn't have to get hung up on the, uh, you know, two characters arguing about an Ikea furniture set or whatever, you know, because even Mr. Miracle, even though that had bright spots and and there were parts of it that I really liked and I, I liked parts of what it was going for, still had that annoying ass dialogue about veggie trays or whatever, you know, just the... The, the mundane stuff that is supposed to make the comic seem deeper than it is because it's, whoa, you don't normally read about this mundane stuff in a superhero comic. You know, this book wasn't really doing that. And so that's great. Uh, but I still just didn't like it overall. And, and we can get deeper into that. But I want to hear from you guys. Zach? Yeah, I I agree with you, Vince. This isn't... This isn't annoying by this like kind of standard tom king tropes that we have like come to kind of you know critique on on the show mostly like dialogue related um and and honestly the doc shaner side of this stuff i think is is just good fun adam strange comics you know i i really have almost nothing bad to say about that stuff um, I wish it was all that. Um, but like the Mitch Garrett stuff, that's where, you know, that's the bread and butter here. That's the thing that's going to win him the Eisner. And um, it just, I'm just tired, you know, I'm just tired. <laughs> that's all I can say. I'm just very tired. Oh, I'm going to need you to elaborate on that, buddy. I know you want to. I don't actually want to. Like, this, this, isn't, isn't, the Zach, like a, this isn't the Zach from the DMs. No. Well, <laughs> I just... You don't like, have to. You don't have to. No. I just... This isn't a thing where, like, I'll keep, keep, keep politics out of my books. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm not being one of those people. Because, like, I'm fine with politics in books. And this... This isn't even so much politics as it is just like ideology at play here. There's like an ideology at play, or at least that like seems to be at play here, that's trying to make a point about a thing that we see a lot on the internet, on Twitter, about it's kind of like two things, I think. One one part of it is just like the fan outrage and the way that like fans or like normies you know control a narrative and then the other is like be nice to the army um (laughs) basically and um there's those two things that are going on here and maybe I, i i probably have not thought this through enough but i don't see how what king is doing here is going to say anything worthwhile nope. or resolve in a way that will be meaningful or challenging or challenging really. Yeah. True. Also that, um, because, because I feel, I, I, I don't know who knows where this is going to go, but I feel like the only outcomes are, um, the people who the the only outcomes are is it's going to be a refutation of the kind of people who you know 
the kind of people who call uh you know george bush a war criminal it, it's gonna be those people are wrong and it's all or it's gonna be um again this is me like having not fully formed this it's it's either that or it's gonna be something else that's not helpful i guess you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. it's it's gonna be refutation without answer and because it's totally fine to critique these things like don't get me wrong that that like that is fine these things probably do need to be critiqued but i just don't i just don't think that this is going to have anything meaningful to say or 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 a solid answer i I think it's just kind of white noise yeah well and when you consider who it's coming from who's writing it i think like He's signaling in interviews and stuff that he's doing one thing, but I don't really think he's doing that. And I think it's because it's somewhat self-interested, you know? Mm-hmm. This yeah. thing feels like a self-suck on some uh, level. Some level? <laughs> I'm trying to be charitable here. So We'll get into it, but Brian, you, well, what do you think? May I be charitable for a second? Absolutely. Go for it, yeah. Okay, so one of my major critiques of both Mr. Miracle and Batman, less so Heroes in Crisis, although I dislike that book the most of all, it doesn't fall into this trap. Zach, if you had to describe the plot of Mr. Miracle in one sentence, how would you describe it? <laughs> um, Mr. Miracle has a son. Okay, yes. So, I think that that one of my problems with Mr. Miracle, although I I enjoyed that book far more than I did most Tom King stuff, is that there really is no plot to it. And I'm not one of these people who thinks that everything has to be plot, 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 plot all the time, but there needs to be a sense of what I'm reading, especially for a, a limited series. Like an ongoing, the plot of any ongoing is sort of like the continuing adventures of Batman, right? So... You have to be more okay with that. But if you have a tw- you have twelve issues to tell a story, and the idea of the story is like Mister Miracle's a hipster in love, that's not really a plot. That's just a description of the character. And I feel like similarly, Tom King's Batman. Although I just you know I said an ongoing is easier to forgive of this, but I think there's a lot of there's not a lot of the Batman story that was plot driven. There was a lot that was just like mood pieces and that works well, sometimes. What? Remember, remember when he defined uh, the plot in a single tweet and he ended up leaving out like 60 issues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So here's what yeah. I'll say. So from a strictly plot standpoint, I think this is the most compelling Tom King pitch in a while. Adam strange has a, a, battle on another planet he becomes a hero for it but there's conflicting reports as to whether he did just things or not that can be an interesting story i think that there is potential for that to be an interesting story i also thought that this is the best tom king's ever written batman in that he almost didn't write him but but like <laughs> i i think that he almost got the batman sort of tone right I, I was wondering how Mr. Miracle was going to pl- – sorry, Mr. Miracle, Mr. Terrific was going to play into this. And I think that's a, a somewhat clever way to bring him into this. 
Like, the broad strokes of this I don't think are necessarily terrible. I think the Doc Shander stuff is a is really fun. The Doc Shander stuff reminded me totally of Doc Shander's Flash Gordon run with, 100%, with yeah. Jeff Parker, which which I adore. Um, you know, both visually and sort of tonally, it recalls that. The Garrett stuff just feels so much like Mr. Miracle 2 mm-hmm. that it's a little bit hard to get behind it uh, in as much of a way. And, you know... I think that there are some things that he does. Like, Vince, you mentioned that he doesn't do the annoying Tom King dialogue. But there's a there's a panel, and I'm trying to find what page it is, where they're, where Alana and Adam are sitting on the steps of the, watch, of the Lincoln Memorial. And he's doing this thing with his hand. He's, uh-huh. like, he's like making pew, finger pew, guns. Pew. Yeah, pew, pew. And oh, I, boy. Yeah, I, you're right. I, I feel like that's essentially obnoxious tom king dialogue but just replacing uh dialogue with finger guns yeah um but but i'll say this like i i I didn't hate this issue there were parts of it i thought were dumb i don't understand why from just like a storytelling point of view if ran is supposed to be this like place of utopia then why is alana smoking cigarettes isn't that really dumb they're probably not. Uh, they're probably good cigarettes. Oh, they those, don't. They don't hurt you. Cigarettes, got it. Yeah, okay, they yeah. don't have. They those don't hurt cigarettes. you. Was he smoking them on Ran or like in the real world? In the real the world. real world on Earth. Yeah, on Earth. Well, that's because stuff is bad here. Bad stuff is happening. Well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. every everything is yeah. everything is just so blatant and so yeah. dumb. Um, the the other thing that I was trying that I forgot. I should have taken notes on this. The other thing that I, I that like bothers me about this and the like, is this going to say anything worthwhile? Is it's also a story about like the burden of proof and like where does the burden of proof lie and and innocence versus guilt, and like in you know kind of the current like media Me Too era, I feel like that is a tricky question to be asking and i kind of wonder which side of this like king is wanting to fall on because you you definitely feel like strange is meant to be wrongly accused here is what you think and the the guy the crazy fan with the black canary shirt is supposed to be the bad guy here and and again i just don't i just don't know if if what King is going to say here is going to be either like a, what he means to say, or maybe he's going to be saying the quiet part out loud here. I I don't know. I'm just, maybe I'm just like too, maybe I'm being too sensitive here or, or not necessarily like sensitive, but maybe I'm like expecting King to do a goof. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So that was going to be the, you know, as we do a deeper dive here, that was going to be my point. So, like, everything I'm about to say, just keep in mind that I realize that this is the first issue of a, what, 12-issue? Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about is, like, why is this going to be 12 issues? <laughs> when is the last time that you read a story that was 12 issues long and needed to be? Uh-huh. Uh, House uh-huh. of X, Crisis on, yeah, exactly, that, that's on Infinite Earths. <laughs> um, yeah. Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, those are, those are the ones. Um, the Shade New 52 Maxi series. 
Oh, okay, okay. So keeping in mind that I, I recognize that this is the first issue, and and I'm about to make a lot of judgments about this book just based on one issue, right? But what else can you do? Like, just just keep in mind that I know that before I say all of this, okay? Merely de- dealing with the issue that sits before us, here's my problem with it. When Tom King talk this is very much the heroes in crisis problem for me when he talked about heroes in crisis being a story about sanctuary this place that heroes can go to get help with their mental issues or their behavioral health issues that is a compelling pitch to me i do want to see that story on some level where it actually gets to the heart of these characters and you know whether it was his fault or whether it was editorial's fault or whatever the murder mystery completely hijacked that entire thing to where it was barely about the thing that he said it was about. And, and I know that the murder mystery is the thing that drives the, the intrigue of the average reader, but it's not what he talked about in the lead up to it, right? That was not the focus of his pitch for this thing, which I thought was um, an interesting one. Same with this. Oh, this uh, war hero slash war criminal the idea that like there's gray area to what he, Adam Strange maybe did uh, on some war on Ran, you know, like like that is a compelling idea because that's a that's a very real life thing that we talk about all the time when it comes to politics and the military and all that stuff and you know what American imperialism and all that. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure he's mentioned American imperialism. He's definitely At, mentioned like colonial, like the colonialist colon- aspects of yeah. like old sci-fi pulp stories, like Adam Strange. Absolutely, but this first issue is there much of that? So you've got the guy that comes up and says, you know, you you've got people in cages, you've murdered innocents, blah blah blah, who is made out to seem completely deranged compared to everybody else, like. Right. Depict- Only crazy people care about those things or, or right. think those things. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so there's that. But then if you think about what the actual, and again, there's 11 more issues to maybe get to some of the war criminal stuff. But if you think about what the actual stuff that, that Adam Strange is being criticized for mostly in this issue, it's something mysterious to do with his daughter that we don't know which is probably probably has to do with leaving her behind on ran right which is that is adam strange centric that is not putting the potential victims uh of colonialization or of this war at the center that's all of a sudden making it about his daughter you know so so now so now if you're looking at it from a global perspective like what I was being told is that I'm reading a story about a guy potentially doing war crimes, but maybe what it's really about is, Oh, his daughter was affected, you know, forget about these other people. It was just his, it was him hurting his own family. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like taking the focus off of the, off of the foreign victims, which is what I thought the focus was going to be. And and that's only a very small part of this. The other part is, this guy who was criticizing him at the book signing. Now it becomes about why he was killed. What does that have to do with what Adam Strange did over there 
on Ran. You know what I'm saying? Now the focus becomes this deranged guy who got killed. Is that what Tom King meant when he said, like, there's the truth and a lie? You know, because because what I thought, everything leading up to this would be the stuff that Adam Strange did when he was away from Earth. You know? Mm-hmm. There was supposed to be a story told about that, and one was a lie and one was the truth. Can I, and can now, I guess the I, ending of this right now? Sure. Yeah. Go for Go it. Go for it. Because you talking about this, Vince, just like sparked something in my head. The ending of this is going to be that that he says exactly what happened, but it's both terrible and fine. It's going to be about how there is no, there's nothing that is black and white in this world, and everything is various shades of gray. And so, yes, he saved the people of Ran, and yes, that meant killing some innocent creatures, and that's the way it is. There's going to be no truth learned about it's just going to be that well sure but but do you understand what i'm saying about like the focus is being taken away from that point yes anyway absolutely. like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think how, you're how... totally i think you're totally right because it's the only way that a guy who well i don't want to get you know too personal into it or whatever but like tom king has history with this stuff and 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 he may acknowledge the imperialism or whatever but of course, the answer is always going to be, well, it's impossible to say whether it's bad or not. Right. Yeah. You know? How, how long you, until you think we get a dialogue box that is I, comma, ran somewhere in this? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, my tummy doesn't feel good. <laughs> I just think, like, well, you could totally say something interesting about about the horrors that were committed over there, and and yet I feel like like yet again, same with Heroes in Crisis, they're sacrificing. And again, there's eleven issues. Eleven issues is a long time, as we've just established. But like, right away, you're turning to the murder mystery of this guy who was yelling at him at the book signing. And and making that out to be the fulcrum point over, well, is Adam Strange the reason that that guy's dead? Well, who cares about that guy? I thought we were talking about war crimes. You know what I mean? Um, I also think one of, one prediction I had was that that guy is going to be a setup. Like that was a false flag. Uh, right. Shit, you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that guy was sent there to yell at him as some sort of stunt that gets America in Adam Strange's corner because he seems purposefully over the top and deranged. Um, I thought that can't, you know, if it's not that, then it is really, it's, it's really kind of gross that they make the one guy who's a detractor into this just like disgusting slobbering dude. Right. But if, but if they play it up that he's a crisis actor or whatever, then it would make sense to have him be over the top. And I, I almost think it's way more likely that that's the case, especially in issue one, that like it's the thing that rallies people around Adam Strange more. And and I have to say, and it's not just because I'm, you know, pretty much a pacifist, but like I have to say that that's a more interesting story. To me, if it goes there and it has this be some kind of setup that helps Adam Strange potentially cover up 
past war crimes or whatever. I think that is so much more a fascinating story than just having it be about whether or not this guy was murked because of something Adam Strange did or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, Adam Strange is Mayor Pete. There's there's a bit of absurdity in this that I don't know how I how I feel about it. Like the idea of Adam Strange being dressed in his like full costume to have meetings with people is something totally out of like the Silver Age, right? <laughs> I like that. I don't know. I I would I would have liked it in the Doc Shander pages. To me, it felt out of out of place. I don't know. This is. This is tough for me because there were parts of this book, like I said, that I think have a lot of potential. But for everything where I was like, oh, that's not bad, I would turn the page and want to puke. So, oh. See, I didn't even have that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm mostly just worried about what... I, I'm just worried about what what's the point going to be and is it going to be disappointing or problematic or frustrating or... Yeah, because I do. I think I do agree with you guys. Like this is like premise wise, and I think even like ex- in execution in this first issue, the most interesting project that King has done since Omega Man. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, like it has to be a certain thing, you know. Yeah, you got to be smoking the cigarettes. You got to be sad doing the pew pew fingers. You got to have. Weird, sad sex. I don't know. <laughs> that that part was totally... Like, when I read that, I was like, oh, this is King writing for the movie or the TV show that's going to be made off of this. Because they're going to... Because it's going to be, like, mature. They're going to throw a sex scene in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's going to be... Because every, cause every show has to have, like, a weird, sad sex scene now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it's 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 fine. Yeah, see, I, yeah, I didn't hate this issue, honestly. I I the parts of it I hated, I didn't feel as passionately about as the parts I enjoyed, but I didn't feel totally passionate about much of it. Mm-hmm. I am curious yeah. to see where this story goes. Versus some other King stuff where I've just felt like, nope, I'm done. Fuck this. I don't feel that way after this first issue. So I guess that's something? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm also going to make a prediction that Alana Strange is a bad actor in all of this. Um. But I, I'm, Which sucks. I, can't, I can't be. Any, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. I can't be any more specific um, than that. But uh, man, do you remember those great like Alana and Adam Strange comics we got out of the Jeff Lemire Justice League, uh, whatever it's called, United, United all that yeah. stuff. That was yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, it was good times. Like I yeah. said, at least this is Black Label. So if somebody has a fun Adam Strange story for 5G, they don't have to talk about this. Right. Right. Oh, which well, mayor, which, yeah, 5G. Oh, boy. We didn't even talk about 
Collar tug. Yep. <laughs> hey, but at least we're getting 12 issues of uh, Green Lantern Season 2 now. Right, yes. Yes. Delete the tweets. We never we never talked about how excited we were for 5G. <laughs> yeah. Is that confirmed, the 12 issues? Yeah. Because yeah. It, it, it was in the solicits. Today. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sharp tweeted about it today, confirming it. Yeah. So I think the well, just to just to talk about that real quick, I think the message that we're being sent, you know, when we put together that plus uh, what Jim Lee has said is that 5G is happening. It's probably going to happen on a smaller scale. Um, it will probably be reverted from more quickly than it would have in the you know past plans. Uh, Uncle Rich had something today where he talked about how the timeline is still coming out, but it's probably going to be trimmed up a little so it's less specific, which, of course, uh, pedants like us totally love. <laughs> um, and uh, and that I think the Green Lantern going to 12 issues is a sign that they are backing away from whatever long-term plans they may have had for that. Um, and I think, you know... I was really excited for 5G. I still am. I think anytime you try to push the characters forward or do some kind of uh, time skip, I'm a sucker for time skips or what or you know what have you. I think it's probably the best for everybody involved though if it were more of a shorter term event. Yeah. Um it's not it's not necessarily what I wanted to see, but it, as long as it's happening in some form or fashion, I can be happy i can share that space with people who maybe don't want that i guess sure and i mean i mean we'll talk about it when we get to flash but it it, it may not even matter because everything's gonna matter right right you know yeah. and to me that was always the more exciting part of it like for me i know what you're saying vince but i just feel like whenever there is Whenever there's talk of these line-wide reboot things, it just seems to me it never really works out. And so, to me, the idea of, well, everything matters, we're bringing back stuff, we're introducing new stuff. If that leads to better comics, that I would rather that type of a reshaping of the line than another faux New 52 reshaping of the line. Yeah. 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 All right, well, um, you know what? We're going out of order already. Let's go right to The Flash, then. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Flash 750. This is a huge issue. This should be labeled giant-sized, for those who listened to our Marvel <laughs> show from uh, a couple days ago. Well, it is, <laughs> yeah, it well is twice as many. It is twice as many dollars. <laughs> as what? As the... Uh, as giant size, as giant size X Men, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm uh, not saying Brian, that... Brian breaking all sorts of illusions right now. Yeah. What? what, what what's an illusion about that? Nothing. Not, none not... of our. Wait, 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 wait. Is it a secret that we are the Brian Vincent Zach from from the Marvel show? <laughs> yeah, we're yes. clearly we're clearly Earth six one six. Oh, okay. Versions uh, of ourselves. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Um. Anyway, how do you guys want to do this? You want to do it story by story? Who talks first? You talk first. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to do story by story. I think yeah. we're going to have something to say about just about every one of these. I so. think we will too. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Okay, so uh, first up, we have 
uh, part one of the Flash Age, which is the new Josh Williamson story arc that is launching out of this. And we get a full, uh, basically a full issue of this in here. Um, written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Rafa Sandoval and Steven Segovia. Um, this this goes back and introduce and brings back um, Paradox, the character that was introduced a few months ago. I guess that was it last month, Vince. He's been teased um, a lot, but, but, but yeah, I think his like I th- first official appearance was last issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, what did you guys think of this first story? God bless you, Vince. Thank you. Oh, it sounds like Zach wants me to go first. <laughs> well, I I'll just say like, and this this is nothing against this like story. I I think I think this is actually my least favorite of all the stories in this issue. Um, but it's fine. Like it's good. I I I haven't been reading the Flash in a while. I was gonna. I stopped reading after the the year one arc um, and was going to go back and read. But then I, I was like flipping through it and I was like, oh, this is like 12 issues of this Captain Cold stuff. I'm not going to read this. So I just jumped in after that, which was like the last two issues, the the paradox lead in. And and, and I do feel like this is a good course correction for this book. Um and and it was there were a lot of like really nice like mushy flash anniversary moments too so it it was fine but Vin, Vince you talk about it all right i really liked how the issue spent the first couple pages kind of recapping everything that's recently been happening and where all the different speedsters are right now i feel like that is something that anniversary issues or like um larger sized issues, double, double sized issues or whatever used to do a lot more of. Um, I think that that extends the, it, it extends the issue in a way that is helpful to some people who haven't been reading all along, or maybe they dropped off and haven't read in a bit, or they did read it like me. They've read everything like me and still needed a little reminder of kind of where everything stood. You know, I think that's so much better than when an annual tries to tell a 40 page story, let's say. And it's clearly just the writer decompressing one story by adding like extra dialogue or extra extra action pages that don't really need to be there, you know. Yeah. I feel like this is a way to accomplish the same thing that, sure, it may be telling us stuff we already know, but I like it. It's very comic booky to do that. And I don't think, you know, you can choose to breeze over it if you've already got the gist. Or if you're like me, you can just kind of mentally reset by, by looking at that stuff. Um, I'm still really into the idea of uh, paradox being potentially intimately involved with the the multiversal timey-wimey stuff probably has less to do with generations than the Wally story that we're going to talk about later does, but there's definitely an element in there of that, and I like that. I also like that it resets kind of the, the, the Iris and Barry relationship. Uh, it resets his role again um, as a crime scene investigator 
Um, this is very much a jumping on point for people that haven't read the flash in a while. Like, I, I feel like you could pick this up and get it, you know? Um, and I, and I like that. I especially like the Iris stuff because they don't mess around with, you know, with the will they, won't they stuff, at least not for the time being They're They're right back into it. Barry has a line about like, uh, I guess we're not taking it as slow as we said we were going to, or whatever, you know? Um, that means they're fucking folks. Yeah, yeah, yep. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to tell tales out of school, but uh... <laughs> you, were, you were sworn to secrecy by Barry. <laughs> yep, yep. Barry didn't want me to, you know. But they're down to pound. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So, so, so I dug this. I do think it's one of the weaker stories in this issue, just because of how good this issue really is. Mm-hmm. But I think this is better than recent issues of The Flash have been, as much as I've enjoyed Williamson's run on the whole. I kind of feel like you, Zach, were like, I was just getting tired of the, you know, the decompression and kind of the samey feel of the last couple arcs. Um, and I think this, I think this jostled it up just enough uh, to make me excited again in, in what we're doing going forward. Brian? Yeah, I'll, I'll argue with, with almost everything that you guys said. Um, I just want to say sort of my overall critique of this Flash 750 is that I really feel like as much as I enjoyed the focus that Wally got on this in this issue, I think it's really a bad sign that there wasn't a Wallace story in this issue. It yeah. Just, yeah, it just seems like a bad move on their part tonight. Well, also. yeah, there weren't really any. Uh, well, there was one other Flash story. Besides, you know, Wally gets a story, and someone else gets a story. Who we'll talk about that later. But yeah. you know, the the extended Flash cast doesn't really get. You know, there's no Bart, there's no Wallace, there's no Avery, there's no. You know, any other like previous Flash characters from, sure. you know, pre Flashpoint or anything. It's really just it's Barry and Wally. The, and, and one other. Yeah. Which we'll talk about later. Uh, but, yeah. and well, I wish, you know, look, nobody in the world wants a Max Mercury story more than I do, right? Or, <laughs> or any of that stuff. But I just felt like Wallace has been a part of this book more than Wally has. And so if you're going to focus on one of them, it, it, I think it makes more sense for it to be. I, mean, I I know why it's Wally, but they should have had a Wallace story. Is my point. Anyway, um, so I like this story. I, I first of all, I, I just want to push back on something that that both of you guys said a little bit, which is that the book has maybe felt like it's been dragging or or whatever. We all liked Year One, and that wasn't all that long ago. Well, we liked the first half of Year One, and then we. Then, then we kind of. I think I reassessed it. Well, I, I'm. I'm not saying we loved your one. I, I do think that this this book reads way better in chunks. I've said that a few times now. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah. True. I think so too. And so, I, yeah. But regardless, uh, I thought this this first story was fine. I liked the Iris stuff a lot. I liked, like Vince said, the sort of recap about where everyone else is, speedster wise. Um, I don't love old flash or future flash slash i don't love um 
Well, good because he's dead. Yeah, he's dead now. Uh, Paradox. I said it. I, th- I think Zach was still on uh, on hiatus when I said it. That Paradox looks like New Fifty Two Doomsday. <laughs> um, down to like the cape and everything. Uh, you know, it's. I, I I don't love this stuff, but I thought it was a good enough story. I thought it set up the next you know year of the Flash or whatever pretty well. So I'm fine with it. Um, but I want to talk about the other stories. Yes. So, so let's let's get right to it. The next story is by the Dream Team, the old Flash compatriots of Jeff Johns and Scott Collins. It's called Beer Run. It's a Captain Cold story. Um, Vince, why don't you start us off with this one? I loved this. I mean, as a story, this is probably the best story in the issue, I think, um, even though it's not really a Flash story. But it, it tells a self-contained story from beginning to end that looks beautiful and not a page is wasted. And it hits so many points about these characters that really do feel like essential Flash stuff, even though it doesn't pertain to Barry. Um, it's a Wally story, really. It's a Wally. Yeah, it's a it Wally story. A Wally, yeah. And what a surprising Wally story, too, because it shows him at home with Linda and the kids. You know. Well, yeah. I, I, you get the impression that this is like, this is set like during Johns's run. Yeah, what it feels like. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. But it's it's interesting to run it now, and it makes. I'm sure this. I'm sure this is not the case. I'm sure this is just me thinking too much, but. It would be great if this lent some credence to the idea that, like, you can tell stories from different eras in the post-generations DCU. Well, I think there's other stuff in this issue that gives credence to that, too. So I yeah. honestly, like, yep. I don't want to read too much into it, Like, but I'm with you there. I kind of am like, oh, it. I think the stories that were chosen in this were very intentional. Yeah. I feel that way too. I feel like this is not like what sometimes used to happen is uh, for like Superman anniversaries or like Action One Thousand. There was a story that was clearly like reappropriated from somewhere else, right? Mm. I don't think that's the case with this because it's just been way too long. You know, mm-hmm. Jeff Johns didn't have this sitting in a drawer for fifteen years or whatever, right, ten years. Right. Yeah, no. Um, also, this highlights having just read a couple of, you know, the tail end of that big Captain Cold story, the way Captain Cold is portrayed here versus the way he's been in the New 52 and Rebirth is just really refreshing. Yes. And really satisfying. I love the quip he makes about, like, uh,. Uh, what what is it? Um, guys who can snap their fingers and make a snowstorm versus his his cold gun like that that's like Captain Cold and yeah that, so yes. much of that is like what we've gotten away from multiple times now. Um, so yeah, that was nice. And Scott Collins is born to draw Captain Cold. Mm-hmm. The book just looks great. Yeah. yeah. I love how grimy uh, Captain Cold's corner of the city looks. 
Mm-hmm. Like I feel that is I feel like that's totally where he would live. I think there's so much character in the background details in this thing. It's just so fully formed, you know, it just feels so not skimped on in any way. Yeah, agreed. And I love the I love Wally's mindset at the end where he's like, you know, Captain Cold does a legitimately good thing. You know, he's kind of a dirtbag. He's going to he's going to he's going on a beer run. He's going to pay for this beer straight up. And he ends up stopping a robbery, but getting blamed for a potential robbery, basically. And I just love that, like, even though Captain Cold totally did the right thing, the optics of him getting out of there weren't good. And that's what ended up in the paper. And then Wally's convinced that it's meant to undermine Flash Celebration Day. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, that's just such a, that is such a pitch perfect sort of thing for the, the story to twist on, you know? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, no, same. Yeah. It was uh, it was my second favorite story in the book. Hmm. Second? Oh, my. I think I maybe know what your favorite is, and I, I would maybe, if I'm right, I would maybe agree, but we'll, again, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right, well, let's talk about Why You, which is a story written by Francis Manipal and Brian Buccoletto making his triumphant return to DC Comics uh, and illustrated by Manipal. This this story is, um, I would say maybe this is my least favorite of the bunch. It wasn't bad. It, I mean, visually, it, first of all, Manipal does his his thing, which he did so much in his flash run, which was to use double page spreads really effectively. So there's the one double page spread here where essentially it spells out flash. And he did that. on I think it was issue one of the new 52 where there's a plane crashing mm-hmm. and it spells out. I flash. think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. It's one of my favorite sequences in that book. So there was a lot visually here and you know, it's a story about how on different, on different worlds in the multiverse, there can be different flashes, even Gorilla Grodd, even Iris, etc. Um, it was fine. I felt it wasn't it wasn't all that great of a written story. But what'd you guys think? Well, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of that run when it happened. I, I thought visually it looked gorgeous when Manipal was drawing it, but it was. It was so bland, I think. It was a bland take on just about every character. Um, I don't remember a single thing from it. Um, and this story was just fine, but I think it was the I think it was the kind of the the least of any of these stories in this book. Um, and if, if but if this is your least good story, then I think you're doing pretty well. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it did, it looked absolutely great, and I did like some of the alternate versions of Flash that he ran into. Um, but yeah, New Fifty Two Flash was just not my favorite <laughs> thing. Yeah, same. I I liked it a lot at first. I think, um, but after the first arc or two, it really kind of like a lot of stuff in the New Fifty Two really kind of lost steam. But I did like 
again, I like that this is highlighting a very specific part of like Flash comics, you know, visually with Manipul's art, with the suit design, um, even like having a like callback to that other CSI Patty that he dated yeah. for a bit. Mm, then. Um, yeah, that's right. Patty Spivet. Yeah. Um, and I, and I thought like the bit with the girl on the bike reading the first volume of the new 52 flash was a nice note too. I, I, I liked how referential it was. I thought it was a like sweet little story, kind of slight, but uh, I overall, I enjoyed it pretty well. I think of kind of like the more, um, you know, one-off stories. It is probably probably the weakest one, um, but I liked it pretty well. Well, now we're getting into a truly bizarre thing, which is a good <laughs> Marv Wolfman story. Flash of All yeah. Worlds, illustrated by Riley Rosmo, illustrated by Marv Wolfman. So, first of all, Riley Rosmo is like the guy for all of these yeah. anthology style books now. This dude just works. It, it, it doesn't matter who you pair him with either. It's always good. Absolutely. Oh, I'm in. I, I hope he does this forever. I am totally cool with this. This is a Mirror Master story, which is always a visual, a visually fun story to tell. But man, does Rosmo do a great job with this? Yeah, and this is like a this is like a Silver Age story, which I the order of this uh, of this irks me just a little bit because I feel like it's almost doing a thing. I feel like the the Johns and the Manipul stories could have been should have been flipped. Yeah. Because then it would be like we were working our way, way backwards. Yes, I agree. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's just like a slight slight miss miss point here. Guys, the four tops are here. (laughs) When did this happen? I'm very excited. Zach, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, it's okay. The four tops are here, guys. What are we doing? Come on. God, shut up. (laughs) Is that the sequel to The Three Jokers? Yes, exactly. Getting on a plane now. See you later. (laughs) The four tops are leaving. Okay. On this very stage, the four tops. <laughs> See, you know that, you know that uh, Neil Hamburger bit? <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay, sure. sure. Um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Zach. No, that's all I was saying is that that, that one little design choice bothered me a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is just a fun Silver Age story. Flash's brain gets really big. He gets yes, turned into a <laughs> to a puppet. Yep. And then, and then Which a parent. And a gorilla. And a Those are all specific uh, Flash so, covers from the Silver Age. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, there's uh, the first Carnival House of Mirrors is Flash 105. The 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 time where uh, Mirror Master like shrinks him, that's 109. His head getting big is 177. Him turning into a puppet is 133. Uh, and I didn't take time to look for the rest, but... There's some. There's a lot of fun homages. I was really hoping there'd be an homage to uh, my favorite Silver Age Flash story, which I know is also our friend Mike Romeo's, where he's like late for a date with Iris and he cooks a a ham or a roast by just like rubbing it really fast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you never rub another man's roast. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was hoping there'd be that. But yeah, no, this was super fun, and I also like how Riley Mott Rosmo basically draws him as uh, Jay Leno Flash with a very prominent <laughs> <That> chin, chin. <laughs> yeah. especially on the very last panel. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> 
He's doing oh. headlines right there. Um, but I, I actually, I, I sincerely do mean that about the the prominent chin. I think that so many times we draw superheroes as just all looking exactly the same, and there's no reason why a superhero maybe wouldn't have a more prominent chin than another one. You know, it's mm-hmm. just uh, we should do more of that. So yeah, yeah. All right, now here we go, baby. At the starting line by Joshua Williamson and David Marquez. He's back. He's good again. <laughs> Jay Garrick, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Is this your favorite? Is this your favorite story? Of course it is. I think it's it's really good. It's really really good. Um, so this is this is interesting because this is kind of like the Snyder Hitch Wonder Woman story and and Wonder Woman seven fifty a little bit. Yep. But also in in a small way, it's not because there's a thing that happens in this in this issue or in this mm-hmm. this story that seems really important and it. I mean, it ends. It's written by Williamson. It says it's going to be continued in 2020, but I want to talk about that a little bit and see, like, what do you guys think about that thing? Well, that tell happens. us what that thing is. Um. So you know, Jay is fighting the Thinker, uh, and and out of nowhere, a, a figure runs up right behind him and whispers in his ear, they'll forget you, Jay Garrick, I've seen your future, and that, that figure is wearing a yellow mask. Um, so it's it's obviously, it's reverse flash. So um, it seems like Garrick's fi- or, uh, Williamson's finally getting to pay off on his the stuff he's been wanting to do with Jay Garrick, like, gosh, since... I don't. When did he first get referenced like in this run or something? Wasn't it? Was it's it something. Yeah, it was. On? It was super early where like his helmet appeared. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was very early on. It was very early. So I'm really excited about that. Vince, what do you think of this? Yeah, I liked it a lot too. I don't. I thought it was beautiful looking. David Marquez is a, a master. Um, I do love you know that it's helping to piece together the timeline. Um, well, I still think the Jeff John story is my favorite, but, uh, but yeah, this is so intriguing and it's so refreshing to, it's refreshing to see the, the past and the future commingle again. And I, I just, I just want all of it back. You know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm all about like, moving forward in the future and things changing, you know, but I, I, I also don't like throwing things away wholesale, you know, so I, I'm not stuck in the past when I say I want the JSA back, but I want them back because I want them to be the elder statesmen, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's really what this issue is, is indicating to you because it, it isn't it, isn't it at the very end, it shows uh, all the different kind of, Flash characters again, isn't yeah. there like a yeah? I mean, yeah, so, yeah. I, I just, all of I just them is, like, is, an, is an over is an over exaggeration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, well, in, in the, the next story recent. though, um, they do all does show all of them. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you know what I mean. Like, I, I, I just want it to be. I want, I want them back, and I want them in like elder statesman roles. You know, because that's. 
that's all that always felt the most DC to me. Like that is the heart of DC. It's having this older generation, this middle generation, and then a couple younger generations, you know? Yeah. And we've been missing that. And I think we're closer than ever to getting that back. And they all vote Biden. <laughs> yep. And that sucks. Maybe they can stay away. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, no, no. That you, you've killed my momentum. It's cool. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us to the final story of the book, which is the flash forward epilogue written by the creeper himself, Scott Lovedell, and illustrated by Brett Booth. Uh, no, no rubbery pizza in this. So is it really a Brett Booth comic? Bummer. <laughs> Yeah. Are we sure there wasn't some somewhere? There was so much opportunity with all the Teen Titan stuff going on in there. Yeah. Right. No, I don't see any pizza. Neither do I. So, in preparation for this, I went and I finished reading uh, Flash Forward. I had read the first, I think it was four issues to talk about on the show. Or not? No, I, there was that day in December where all those really important books were coming out and there was rumor that Flash 4 was going to have a really important reveal that day. So I read all the issues to catch up for that and then nothing happened. And so I read the last two and then I read this and um, I I will say that Flash Forward sucks. This kind of sucks. But I like what this is trying to do just from like a interesting to fix the timeline whole thing. I just think that Lubdell and Booth are like the worst guys to do this. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, there, I mean, there is a lot of like interesting you know, DC catnip continuity porn stuff in here, for sure. But it's also like the lazy. I think, I oh, think this it's so is the lazy. laziest. This is the laziest oh, yeah. explanation for for these continuity gaps that they've ever given. And on one hand, I'm kind of okay with that because it's just like it screw lets us it. Move let's, past it. Let's stop trying to make sense of this stuff, and let's stop trying to like say what counts and what matters, and let's just say everything and matters, and just move on with it, and it's fine. Yeah. But then, but then they can't help themselves because at the end, uh, Tempest Fugginot says, "Can you fix this?" And Wally's like, "Yeah, I got this." So like, they can't just let it be. They have to mess around. They're gonna have to send him out and mess around and be like, "All right, how do we fix these anomalies?" Well, there shouldn't be anomalies now, you know. You know, am I right yeah. or am I misreading yeah. that? No, you're right. But it is so lazy the way that they do it because, um, <laughs> you know, it's got Wally looking at all these events in DC history and uh, uh, he's literally saying stuff like no secrets, See, seeing all the secrets. crises. <laughs> yeah. No hour eludes me and it's zero hour. You know, it's like yeah. it's the worst fucking dialogue ever. I recognize yeah. others that are more wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is so bad. Uh, Rich, Rich on, on Bleeding Cool on that Godforsaken website wrote, uh, 
this this was Scott Lobdell channeling Alan Moore. <laughs> and I nearly shat myself when I read that because uh, like what do you think the quality of Alan Moore's writing is compared to this? <laughs> uh I shall become the Flash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That is exactly the yeah. I shall become Dr. Manhattan. He yeah, may as well. I'm sorry. Said, exactly. Yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. The yeah. suit looks good though. It still looks good. Oh, it does look good. It looks Flash. good. Flashes should always wear blue. Yeah. Uh, rumor has it that he will be known as Pariah from now on. That's another, that's another uncle rich. Yeah. Which, which I, I do kind of like that. Again, like if we talk about how names and titles mean things, I do kind of like the idea that Wally could be the new pariah, you know? Uh, no? Here's my like, thing. Okay. Not for not for any long length of time, but like during this event. Oh, if it's I just during of... the event, I'm cool with that. But, you know, I, I just feel like, I don't know why we've said this so many times. I don't know why DC is uncomfortable having multiple flashes. Just make them both the Flash. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, if that's his like moniker going forward for good, that's stupid. Yeah, but it won't be. I mean, and to be fair, I was trying to think about this today in a way that that was removing my like personal emotional feelings from this. But the idea of Wally being on the Mobius chair and having the power of Doctor Manhattan in him is pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very dumb. It's yeah. But you know, if it fixes things, I'm okay with it. I just don't know if it's. I really don't know at this point how you fix this stuff. I really. I honestly I, think I think the five G thing would have fixed it. Honestly, that's just me. Apparently, no one else thinks that. But how would it not have not it? among you guys? I mean, but like at Warner Brothers, AT and T. Well, how would it have fixed it? Because it gives time for everything to have happened. Like even the like I guess the the only thing in here that's like contradictory or doesn't make sense is like the page with the two different Flash families, like the bit about the two te- different team Titan Teen Titans teams, like that. There are, like, aspects of that that are, like, a little contradictory that are, like, weird continuity things that we know about because we've read the stories. But, like, the idea that you could have two different Teen Titans teams over a span of however many years works because, like, none of those characters overlap or are different or, I mean, are the same. Um, You can make this work spread out over a, you know... 80 year timeline with some crisis, some, some crises, crises in there to account for the, you know, the things that we know about. I just feel like the, the more I go back and I'm reading older stuff and all that, I just don't see how you ever can get back to that level of, um, I did the, the even though the the timeline was fucked even then, like just 
there is a somewhat more linear path to get from the Golden Age Flash to how that character is still alive in JSA to how, you know, to Barry and then Barry's lost in the time stream and then Wally, like all of that. There's, there's, there were no hard resets in the middle there. And the hard sure, resets make sure. it hard to, uh, to find, you know, to find a way for that to work. But yeah, I mean, uh, it would be loose, but I, I still think, I think it, I think it would work. I think it would require a little bit of hand waving and, and, just kind of saying screw it or whatever, but I I don't know. I almost I I almost hope that they don't resolve it. I don't know. I want it to just yeah. I don't I don't even know what I want actually. I I am like looking You're at like this page the populace. like page I know right. I'm like I'm on page sixty eight here, and it's like, do I want this pre-Flashpoint Flash team, or do I want this Rebirth Flash team? Do I actually even care? I don't know. Probably not going to read either. <laughs> I want the pre-Flashpoint one so badly. Well, see, I don't know. The post-Flashpoint one, Wally's hair is out, and it looks so much better. <laughs> that is true. You've sold me on this. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and I mean, in reality, the same. Yeah, you have it, Wallace. In reality, there's there's only only Bart and Wally like overlap here. Sure. So you could there's room for just about everybody there. And yeah. that's the real You're dream. Right. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's just we already have like the the um kind of blueprint for how to do this and it was that Superman reborn story. And yes. you know how we like all thought that they were just going to do that to everybody, and now it's three years later, and they haven't done that for anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Vince, what did you think about this story? Um. I mean, I, 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 I'm. I, th- I think it was so stupid and like poorly written, but, but I, but I'm with you, Brian. Like, I, I kind of like what it says about I like that it just throws everything out there and says, you know, it all counts. That that's what I want comics to be, but but at the same time like like I said, they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves from saying, "Ah, we got to fix all these things that don't make sense." Um and I don't think they're really going to try to, and I think that it'll just create another event that creates another anomaly whatever. I think Jeff Johns in Doomsday Clock had the most elegant solution to it, which was to say that every different event kind of spins off a a different Earth that continues the adventures of that status quo, right? Yeah. And I think... Yeah, and this this actually kind of contradicts that. This kind of contradicts that by saying that these events are happening not on different worlds or dimensions, but that they're happening on the same world at different times, which is kind of the, that's the Dr. Manhattan thing almost, but not, but not even really, you know, it's so stupid. They had, they had an elegant solution right there and they may have 
passed it by for something else. I, it's too early to say. I, I think we'll know more when the Generations books start coming out. But um, yeah. Which, uh, so talking about the, the free comic book day issue, so now I guess, is that issue going to be this little eight-page story with some more stuff? Yes. Yeah. Or however many pages this is. I wonder what could be added to this. I guess we're going to find out what Wally's going to do. How, we're going to get how some rubbery pizza. That? Oh, man, I hope so. I could even see it not being uh, sort of uh, after this, Zach. I could see it being more that it's throwing in four more pages of things happening twice. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because this is actually a 12-page story. Uh, um, so I could even, like, even if they were generous, I could see, like, adding in eight more pages to get it to 20, and then there's some, like, back matter or something, because they've already said that it's going to have, like, some preview pages for Death Metal. Um, yes. That Yeah. Yeah. There won't be much. Anything else to say about this book overall? This this entire uh, this entire Flash seven fifty uh, extravaganza. Mm-mm. This is a good one. They they've been doing good anniversary issues lately. They have. I think I even like this better than the Wonder Woman one actually. Yeah, I think and I did too. It was really good. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the final two issues of the week, so stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back. Let's talk about Batman, guys. It's nice to have a Batman book to talk about that isn't Tom King's Batman. Um, oh, you don't even know because I love this issue. Yeah, this is a good issue. Uh, this is Batman. I liked it a lot. Batman number ninety, written by James Tynion the Fourth, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Uh, there is some really good stuff in this issue, and only sixty percent of it is Jorge Jimenez's art. <laughs> No, oh, th- oh, is it? No, I'm, I'm saying like that the issue oh, is good, oh, but okay. there's still 40% uh, of good that isn't Jorge Jimenez. Sure, okay. I thought you meant there was another artist on this no, book. I no. didn't even notice. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. So go off, Zach. Why'd you like this? Well, aside from how stupid the designer looks, um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have talked about that yet. We have not, um, no. He looks atrocious. Oh, I love <laughs> I it. Know. I love it. He's a Spencer would... Gifts come to life. I would probably not hate him as much if his pants, his like baggy pants, weren't camo. Um, that's just the one. That's one design element too far for me. Um, 
but yeah, no, I love this issue. I love the like flashback to, you know, finding out like what this like meeting was that we've kind of had teased with these four characters and just the way that the whole thing is told, you know, with each character meeting with the designer in this house and kind of planning their master heist. And then, then, you know, it gets to the Joker and that part is kind of behind closed doors and it's left with a bit of mystery and gravitas. It's actually, I think like the best written the Joker has been since like, gosh, I don't even know. Batman and Robin, maybe under Morrison. Wow. I think like it, it actually makes the Joker feel both like menacing and, you know, like, uh, he, he's not, he's not the dang freaking Joker here to me, <laughs> you know, if he that is at the sense. end. He well, is, he is, the end. <laughs> he is, he is, but it's like, Every other like take on the Joker is just one that I want to make fun of and right. like and, and make jokes about and be extremely irony ridden about. But like I read this issue and I was like, oh, this is like actually a good Joker story, I think. Yes. Um, and I think the way it handles Catwoman is really good. I think, um, you know, her explaining this to Bruce works really well with kind of where they are. I, I just felt like it all worked really, really well. And, and I think on, on paper, it's actually a concept that sounds really dumb. This whole premise sounds really dumb, but the way it's executed, I think, is really good. Also, Thanks. Harley's a gamer. <laughs> PlayStation 4, specifically. Yes. It's got that dumb yeah. little light on it. Yeah. Um, I could not agree more, Zach. And to piggyback off of what you said while saying something slightly different, this reminded me of an episode of Batman the Animated Series. Ooh, yeah. It rem- not not stylistically, but like all the villains all the villains getting together uh early on in their careers to up their game and like they have to cross a river on a ferry and in the meantime there's some banter like this is totally joker the animated series bantering with the others like i think that's what makes it such a well-written joker it's 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 the mix between the twist the twisted dang joker and the lovable prankster you know Mm -hmm. it 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 rides that line and it, it almost it almost gives you the origin story for the dang twisted part, you know? Yeah. Of course, yeah. Of course there's been many versions of that too, so you can't really say that it's definitive, but Can I push back just... even further in time, Vincey? Sure. This is the Batman sixty six movie villains. <laughs> uh yeah, sure. Okay. No, I'm it... I'm not it yeah. is. It's those. It's it those. Is. Those four characters. Those are the. Those are the ones from the film. That sure. Together. This is like the it classic. Feels less like that though. But. but yeah. I don't know if it feels less like that. It's certainly mm-hmm. darker than that, but that's just because of how Batman comics are now. But I. I think it's. My point is, I think it's reminiscent of all of that. I. I think that there okay. is. I think that this is the most classic. These characters have felt in a long time. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Um, yeah, I will too. Yeah. I I also think the designer 
like the design of his costume is something you could have replicated in the sixties too. Uh, like yeah. this dude, this dude just wearing a robe around with a, like, I, I think that is, yeah. Yeah. And it is a goofy idea that he's helping them up their game. I even think like if, if you give uh Tynion the benefit of the doubt, like, I think he's being a little tongue in cheek where he's like, I was on I was on level three or four crimes and the designer was going to get me up to level 12 or 15. And I, I thought like that is such a ridiculous line that he has to know what he's doing. You know, that, that felt like a very like shonen manga yes. trope. Yes. Thing. Yes. Yeah, which I, I was in for it. Yeah. They go in the, the anti-gravity chamber. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the hyperbolic time the chamber. The hyperbolic yeah. time chamber, yes. Thank you for pulling that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. This, this was great. And it was so good to look at, too. Oh, yeah, so good. Jimenez, uh So I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I think a lot of times Tynion reasonably gets shit for doing stories that are all like exposition mm-hmm. and this is essentially an entirely exposition issue ah! but but this one really works and so I forgive it there's a lot of good visual storytelling in it too I think that helps right but what I'm saying is I mean basically in terms of there is there are two story pages that aren't Selena telling this story Sure, but I don't just think I don't think just telling a story makes it exposition. Well, I mean it does it's all of this is just filling in the background of what's uh, about to happen next week or next month rather. Sure. This is way more essential though than like any of the backstory stuff to like the witching hour stuff. Let's say. Sure, like sure. this this secret history stuff that's completely inconsequential and doesn't really add anything. This adds this adds like a lot. This is like well, kind of like this you is, said. This is a really good version of what he does. Sure, sure. Like yeah, this is like an origin story for the Joker. So not like an origin, but you know, like a a turning point for him. It's this weird secret moment for all of them um it's one of the i I guess if you compare this to this is like much smaller scale but this is like zero year and war of jokes and riddles done right and done in one issue (laughs) and in one issue yeah Mm mm-hmm Yeah, yeah, I I liked this a lot. Be- best issue in a in a ninety issue run, I think. <laughs> um, Zach, you you're usually the coloring boy. Has Moray colored Jimenez before? I think so. Um, actually, you know what? I'm not positive about that. Maybe he hasn't. And man, it's a great pairing. It's such a good um, pairing. So good. It adds um, it adds like a cinematic quality to him and as his art. I feel mm-hmm. like it's it's just it's a really impressive pairing. Yeah, here I'm gonna try and see if I can find out who usually colors him and as while we talk a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, it's I mean Moray I think is one of the most underrated 
colorist right now. I don't feel like um, I, I don't feel like his work gets mentioned very often or or brought up in kind of conversations of great colorists. But man, I, th- I think it's so good. It's always good, no matter who who he's coloring. I just think that this that Jimenez's work here looks far more um I don't know though it's just it's it's a different it's a very different look for him. It's a darker coloring. And then mm-hmm. maybe that's just because it's a bat book, but I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I think it works really, really well. Yeah, it looks like Alejandro Sanchez colored him a lot yeah, on Justice, Justice League. League. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, no, this is this is really good. Yeah. Anything else to say about this issue? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right, that brings us to our final book of the week, Superman Villains number one. This is the sequel of sorts to Superman Heroes, which we got was it two weeks ago or was it last week? It wasn't last week. It was a, it was a few weeks ago because I that was when I was gone. Okay. But I did go back and read it. Yeah. Uh, this is written by Brian Bendis, Matt Fraction, and Jody Hauser. Illustrated by Deep Breath here. Michael Gatos, Riley Rosmo, Scott Godlewski, Brian Hitch, Cully Hamner, Steve Lieber, and Jim Mafood. This was good. This is really good. I think I like this better than the Heroes one, and I liked that one quite a bit. I I liked it considerably better. There was some great stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Um, that Steve Lieber, Lex Luthor segment is so unbelievably good. Yeah. Yeah. Again, good Joker. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Very> good Joker. <laughs> yes. Um, Just laughing at him. And again, good Riley Rosmo. Uh-huh. Yeah, great Riley really Rosmo. Really good Riley Rosmo and a great Toy Man story. Yes. The Toy Man stuff was so good. <laughs> I'm so happy for him. And tying it into Leviathan too somehow, like that's that's some 4D storytelling right there. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, truly. That man bun. Yeah, the man bun. Yeah. <laughs> He's a uh, if 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 this status quo results in uh, uh, what the hell is his name? King. Uh, King Faraday. King Kingsley yeah, Jacob. King Far- well, King Faraday. If if that you know, yeah. This this is probably not King Faraday, right? Like we can't, we keep thinking it is, but I don't know. It's probably just a. Co- it's like James. It's like 007. It's, I don't think it's a coincidence, but I think it's like yeah, right. Misdirection. Well, it's probably Tom King, guys. Oh, yeah, geez. Probably, probably. Because yeah. everybody, everybody's named for chess pieces, you know, so he's got to be king. But anyway, I love the anime version of kings. That's who yeah. I imagine this is. He's like yes. Sephiroth or something. Uh, he is like Sephiroth, yes. <laughs> he looks just like him. His hair is a little... It's more blonde than... Uh, than white. That but... pale white. But, uh, you know, one wing is going to fly out of his coat. Yeah. Any, any issue now. And we were wrong. We, uh, Zach, you weren't on the show, but we made a prediction that this issue would open with, uh, I, I, because, because 
the last the heroes one ended with is it Lex sings Clark Kent right Lex says Clark Kent so we we thought this was going to open with uh Superman saying Lex Luthor no Perry White says it about two-thirds of the way through the issue but it's the same it's the same pose and everything so we're half right. I'll give us half the points on that one. Um, the the Steve Lombard page, yep. also by yeah. Lieber, was was good. Um, the Mongol on War World stuff was fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah. another that's another Uncle Rich thing. Uncle Rich heard that there's going to be a War World book or event or something. I I feel like an event would make more sense than a than a book just with what's going on over in Superman yeah. right now that that makes more sense. Yep. Um, um the the Jim Mafood page was <laughs> yeah. you know, at the end of comics. <laughs> yeah. You know that gif of Antonio Banderas on the laptop? Yes. Uh-huh. That yeah. that was me when I read that page. That was I did that exact movement i love it's good it's really good this whole issue was really good um yeah there's one thing that i i'm i'm not sure about this the the supergirl story um didn't didn't clark kind of warn ara before he did this wasn't he like one of the first people he talk to but not infected so do you think she's just like forgotten i don't know (laughs) that part really confused me i feel like maybe i was remembering i meant to check back uh, on those issues before before we recorded but i forgot um that felt like a weird continuity gaffe to me but i might be wrong bendis has been pretty tight on all this stuff so i would be surprised if it if it was Yeah, I, don't, I definitely remember what you're talking about, Zach, but I'm not sure if he, if he actually, actually went, went up speaking yeah. to him or not. Yeah, it was at, like, the end of one of the issues around the, like, United Planet stuff, like, right before the Truth stuff started is, like, yeah. the scene I'm thinking about, but I, I really can't remember. Um. Yeah, and then this like the the Michael Gatos pages with the them confronting, um, what's what's the character's name? Leon. Yeah, Miss Leon. Yeah, that stuff was so good. I think the way that like Bendis is using the Daily Planet in his runs is so good to me. Yeah, this really feels like a Metropolis book. Like we're get we're getting. Or just I guess it's just a super family book. We get the Kents, we get the Daily Planet, we get uh, a little bit of Jimmy Olsen, a little bit of Lois Lane. Like all that is present here. It's you know it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Agreed. This this issue was really really good. I think both of these heroes and villains one shots have been not throwaways in the same way that like i haven't read it yet but i heard you guys talk about it the uh the the uh alfred Mm. r.i.p issue you know 
something like that. That's just kind of a throwaway filler thing. Whereas these are both building on everything that Bendis is doing in, in really interesting ways. Yeah, absolutely. Vince, anything to add about this? Nope. All right. Well, that, that does it for us this week. Vincey, do you have next week's books pulled up? I do. Okay. Uh, we got Batman and the Outsiders 11. We've got Batman's Grave 6. We've got Catwoman 21. We've got Dollhouse Family 5. We've got Flash 751. Wow. Two two weeks of Flash in a row. Is that right? Yep. Uh, Green Lantern Season 2, number 2. Hawkman 22. House of Whispers 19. Uh, Superman 21. Terrifics 26. Wonder Woman 753. And Young Justice 14. That means that next week we are talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths. (laughs) (laughs) Which we had already decided, but yeah. So come back next time for a discussion on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, Until then, you can find two-thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Inzanap. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is changing his profile pic on Farmers Only to a picture of himself that says, I will become Vince. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's a good one thank you pal alright folks happy reading read Crisis on Infinite Earths before next week so you can read it along with us and uh, take care look Twitter is not a game Zach it is only a game (laughs)